I suppose I remember as a very young child and I was very sensitive and going to school in Derry and I was about five or six and we had the big cathedral, St. Eugene's Cathedral, the shadow of raised over the bog site and the school that I went to. And we were told that God died on a cross for our sins. And Mammy had a crucifix in her bedroom and I remember going in and kneeling down in front of this crucifix and seeing this awful picture of a man nailed to a cross dying almost naked tortured to death and I started to cry and saying I wish you hadn't have had to do that for my sins and felt this enormous burden of guilt because we were also told and if you were the only one person alive he would have died for you too well see I didn't want that it is a very strange story, really, isn't it? If you take it seriously, you know, if you really take on board the reality of all that pain, all that suffering, and because it was our sins, we're the ones who caused all of that. Yeah, and not only that we caused it, but that it's to appease a wrathful God, ironically called Father, and that that wrathful God needs appeased. And that when his beloved son has spent every last ounce of blood in the most horrific way possible when he is crucified on a cross. And I just want to say something, that crucifixion, he wouldn't have even had a loincloth on him. They were crucified naked, totally naked. This was utter humiliation and degradation. The the dehumanising taken to its utmost level. So when God had all that done, then he was appeased and we are saved. What kind of a monstrous God is that? I cannot love that God. And most people... We're terrified of that God secretly. So for me, it was the double bind. And as I lived my life and grew up and grew up in Derry and came to Dublin, I never could accept this. I thought this cannot be right. And I love Jesus. I love the Gospels. And as I read those Gospels, like what became clear to me was that when Jesus came on earth, he set out his manifesto. He never once said I came to die on the cross to appease the wrath of my father because you're all sinners. It's the exact opposite. He came to sit and eat with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. He came to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to set prisoners free. That is what he said he came for. That's what the Gospels tell us. He came to live and to give us life. And I started to read around this and I thought, you know, Jesus loved so much and could not stop loving and it was his loving and giving that resulted in him dying on a cross which he didn't want father if it's possible take it away from me and the father didn't want either this wasn't the way it was meant to be but it is what happened I mean do you think it's supposed to give us a message of resilience you know that like if Christ could suffer this anybody can survive I think it gives us comfort. There's no doubt about that. And for me, what I would take out of the crucifixion is the utter integrity of Jesus the Christ, sent by God to be one of us, had the integrity to suffer like we did. Who knew the pain that we go through? We lose a child, a marriage breaks down, we lose our job, our home is repossessed. The very structure of living as a human being involves suffering. So Jesus is in solidarity with us in that. And we at least can say, you know what it's like for us. Not 
you're doing this because we're bad. Now, the good news is at least, lest I sound, and some people might be saying this woman is talking heresy, I really want to say I did my homework on this. And I went and started to read a lot of people and read around atonement theory. Now, we haven't time to go into today the whole history of it. But suffice to say that we'll take Richard Rohr, who is the well-known Franciscan theologian. Now, Rohr speaks about this because it's something that has preoccupied him as well. And it was my delight when I found this. And Rohr has done the theological study. And he would say that the Franciscans and St. Francis, they always had a different theory of atonement. It was a minority theory. It was not what was held. Obviously, Francis was in the 13th century, but it was never deemed heretical. The atonement theory that arose from various reasons from out of some New Testament writings, misreadings of Paul from the Jewish theology that the early evangelists would had were ransom for them. And the temple was all about transaction that, you know, you went into the temple, which Jesus threw a wobble in and overthrew all the stuff. The theology of that temple was buy the biggest animal, sacrifice it and appease the God. That was what went on in the temple. And Jesus said, you've turned this into a a den of thieves. It is acknowledged by biblical scholars that that act in the temple is probably what directly led to to his death by the Romans and by the church authorities at that time because he was overthrowing a whole system of commerce. The temple was massive and it was um, a place where there was buying and selling of depending on how much money you had, the bigger the animal you could buy. So it was a transactional theology Mm. and that that became invested into the later reflections. So the ransom and the word that was used meant at that time was the buying back of a slave because there were some slaves who could be freed from indenture. If they got enough money, they could be saved. And there was that, the very best the notion would have been, well, we were slaves to sin or we were not free to have the wonderful freedom of Jesus. That's the best interpretation you could put on it, I think. It still raises the question, who was Jesus paying it to? And for a thousand years, and if you read Roar, for a thousand years it was believed it was the devil, Mm. that Jesus died And his death was appeasing the devil. Along comes Anselm and goes, oh, I can't have that. He wrote a treatise called Cordes Homo, thousand years ago. And in that he said it was God who was being appeased because it was a lot better than appeasing the devil. Neither of them are good. Mm. I mean, it is certainly a very strange idea, as you say, that there needed to be an appeasement, you know, like and you talk there about people buying the animal sacrifices, that then Jesus became a sacrifice himself almost. Exactly. And that's where some of that stuff came from, the accretions of that. But here's the good news. So Rohr goes through all this in his work and he shows that Francis and the Franciscans did not accept that. And he sums it up very well. He says they really have a a nonviolent atonement theory in which they say, Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. Like God's mind didn't need to be changed. God knew humanity. God created humanity and loved us in the image and likeness of God. Jesus came to change humanity's mind about God. And what is the God that he showed us? A God of love a God of mercy, a God of scandalous mercy, who, as Jesus said, and these words are accepted to come from Jesus, my father causes the sun to shine on the good and the bad alike. That's scandalous. 
all that Jesus talks about, mercy, forgiveness. No matter what you do, the Father is running out waiting to meet you. Healing, curing, crying when his friend Lazarus dies. This is the God that he tells us to call Abba, Daddy. Not a God of wrathful vengeance who wants the ultimate price in blood. I mean, that to me is the heresy. So so why did it all happen? Well, you know, I mean, that's the big mystery then, isn't it? Well, I've explained a bit of it. I don't want to go over it again, but I've explained how it developed. And, you know, it, but, I mean, it was a human, you know, because Jesus did understand that it was, you know, it was foretold to some degree. But do you think it was more that it wasn't foretold and then just humans themselves decided spontaneously at this moment to take it upon themselves to, to, to cause the sacrifice, you know, because you think, well, maybe if if Jesus could raise people from the dead and so on, he could have got out of it. Well, I mean, he did say to his father, if, if this take this from me. But this brings me to my wonderful book on Jesus by Jose Pagola, which if listeners want to read a wonderful, beautiful book, this is the book. And it is an amazing scholarly work by Jose Pagola. It's translated into English. It's in its 10th reprint at this stage. He started it in 2005, I think it was. He has done all the scholarly reading from the biblical scholars. And notice even the lovely Sean Frayne of this parish, the late wonderful Sean Frayne, is mentioned in his footnotes. And he wrote it because he loves Jesus so much and wants people to know the historical Jesus and also the proper interpretation. And Pagola makes it clear, he says, Jesus never theologized about his death. Jesus never said, I am coming to die to appease my father. He never said, I'm coming to die full stop. I'm coming that you might have life and have it to the full. And he makes the point that Jesus, the key thing that he says is, I came to serve. Look at Holy Thursday. Look at John's gospel. He washes the feet of his disciples. That's the focus in John's gospel. He washes their feet and he scandalizes Peter. And he says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you cannot be a follower of mine. That is who Jesus is. That's what he came to do. He is unrelenting in doing that so he won't change his mind. He's not going to not challenge the temple authorities. He is going to challenge that vision of God. He is going to challenge that transactional. You can pay God the more money you have. He is saying, no, that God is abundantly merciful and I am here to embody and live that out. That's why he ends up in the garden saying, Father, please take this from me. And even on the cross where he wonders, have I got it wrong? My God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? And I know that's from the psalm, but it is also clearly the state of absolute pain and despondency. But he was true to the end, to a life of service. So that service meant he ended up facing death on a cross because he would not deny what he was sent to do. He would not deny the scandalous, abundant, merciful, compassionate heart of God. And he asked us in those Gospels to love our enemies as ourselves. This is not cheap grace. And he himself on that cross lived that out. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Now this is the depth of what we 
are marking on this Good Friday.